Welcome to my dad's podcast, My Blackest Challenge National, Season 3. You can find us on anywhere you like to listen to good podcasts. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Hope you enjoy the show. Bye. listening to my black is transnational my name is dr kalechi bay lamberts and coming up on today's show we'll have a special guest joining us his name is mr sam macho nfl linebacker current nfl linebacker um current author entrepreneur scholar so much more but most importantly a transnational nigerian american and he'll be joining me for a conversation about his new book called Let the World See You, in which he talks about his transnational experiences, his professional experiences, his spiritual experiences, and how they all led for him to be able to create this this literature that really exemplifies what it's like for you to allow yourself to be seen, what it's like to be yourself. We get into such an amazing conversation that I hope you tune into. But before we get into that, let's go through our formalities. This is the first time you are listening to My Black is Transnational. You can find this podcast on any of your favorite podcast listening apps. If you want to follow us, we are on social media. We are on Instagram and Facebook at Black Transnational Podcast. If you would like to follow me, the host, and just get to know me a little bit more, you can find me on Instagram at Black Transnational underscore. Um, We can also communicate through email if you want at blacktransnational17 at gmail.com. And then finally, if you just don't want to do any of that and you just want to know more about the show in general and upcoming guests and know a little bit more about the origins and and what the guests do and how to get in touch with them, you can check us out at our website at www.blacktransnational.wixsite.com slash podcast. And that's how you can just get the one-stop shop information about this entire podcast. So there's so many ways you can get in contact with us, and I hope that you do. And I hope that you subscribe. And when you do subscribe please rate and review the podcast. Your feedback is very important to us so that we can continue to make this podcast great and consumable and digestible for you. All right, let me talk a little bit about our guest before we get into the interview. The first thing is I do not know Sam Macho at all. Like I did not know him, at least until our conversation, but I've heard so much. And anyone who knows me on this show or just knows me personally knows that I am a huge sports fan. If I was not in public health or doing any type of academic work, I would probably be a sports radio host or some type of sports analyst. I'm a huge sports head. But in addition to being a big fan of sports, I'm also a big fan of Nigerians and Africans in sports. Uh, Like It's just my own personal bias. I'm okay admitting that. So as a kid growing up, it was always good to watch and see someone with a name that was Nigerian. And as a Nigerian, I could tell. Or a name that was Ghanaian. And as a person with Ghanaian roots, I could tell. Or someone who I knew was from Africa because of the last name was just completely different. was so authentically African to just say that. It was so good to see that, whether it was playing football, basketball, automatically biased to that. Like, what? (laughs) You know? 
Acho, like Okere, or Ogulano, or something like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm rooting for this person. I don't even care. So that's always been my thing going up, just because of the natural default connection that I assume that we have as a fan watching someone from Nigeria. And I automatically can draw, draw up all these particular ideas of what that person may or may not have been um, through this the last name it's so it's so crazy I'm, i know that you know that's not necessarily the most logical thing to think about as someone who claims to be an academic but as a fan these are the conclusions i tend to draw sometimes that just lets me be more of a bigger fan but um when i decided to do this season i really wanted to reach out to people who i do not really know that well like i really wanted to go out on a limb and start reaching out to a lot of people who I would draw a profile as transnationals, see if they'd be interested in really sharing their perspectives, which sometimes they may not identify as transnational, but ultimately once they define it, you realize that the correlation with that and being transnational are pretty much in sync. And I've been a fan of Sam Acho since I've been a Bears fan. And since he came from, he was signed by the Bears from Arizona. And you know, I knew a lot about him when he played in Texas. I knew his background of him being a good linebacker, a good pass rusher, well, rep, you know, very reputable. Also known as a, a as a scholar, very smart, has been listed as one of the smartest people. And I was like, this is awesome. This is awesome. Like, you know, that's cool. As a fan, you read in the newspaper, you listen to beat writers and beat reporters talk about just the type of person he is and how easygoing he is to get along with you know, how welcoming he is to have conversations with people and just all these great things. And I was like, man, like this is, this is really a good person that I would like to know. And then what did it for me was that I have this article that's still on my phone, like on my saved tabs on my phone to this day, that really talks about the rise of Nigerian American athletes in sports. And he was highlighted as one of them. Um, And there are a couple of other folks that I can't, remember off the top of my head that were highlighted in this particular thing. I think um, Alex Okafor, I think, was one of the people. But there are some athletes that I know, primarily Nigerian, some Ghanaian, who are heavily involved in in athletics now in the United States. It was interesting because, you know, for me growing up, athletics wasn't something that I was encouraged to do. Like, I'm a baseball player, and my mom didn't want me to play football basketball everything was about reading your books right baseball was like one thing that she allowed I don't know why she didn't I don't think she knew what the game was so I don't think she took it took it seriously but baseball was my thing and so to see someone you know who was relatively close to me in age and is playing sports and I wonder what that person's transnational experiences was and that's this particular article highlighted it right it talks about these Nigerian American athletes who were born in the United States who have parents who are from Nigeria who have instilled their Nigerian and African roots on their kids right and the and their kids therefore now have found a way to contribute back to their parents homeland and their particular native homeland of Nigeria whether it's through missions trips, whether it's through giving money. I mean, there are so many things. Um, Ziggy Anza is another person. He's a blind. He's another football player that plays currently with the San Francisco 49ers. But at this time, he was playing with the Detroit Lions. Another Ghanaian guy that does a lot of great things, right? Israel Adonijay plays for the, played for the Chicago Bears. I think he's no longer in the league right now, but another Nigerian who is well-known and is still very well-known in the Chicago community. So, like, there's so many... transnationals I should say not just Nigerians but transnational Nigerians who still in some way shape or form have strong connections with their 
native homeland and they're using their transnational identities and their platforms as athletes to make a difference in one's lives. So I was like, yo, I have to talk to this guy because he's just brilliant and all the things that he's doing is brilliant. So when I reached out to him, he was, you know, so gracious enough to respond back, but also it was great timing because he also was just informing me about this book that he's been working on. And I was like, yo, I want you to come on and talk about this book. And he was glad to, and, and I really wanted to get to know him as a person. And that's what, that's what happened. We really got to just connect and talk about us being Nigerians, our upbringings, our ideals when it comes to just life and even from a spiritual complex he talks about his spiritual walk and his faith and what his faith has done for him as far as how it's guided him to be the man that he is and to be as successful and to walk through the open doors that have been created for him so this was a great fulfillingly rich conversation that I have with Mr. Acho among many things and I hope that you truly enjoy it and I do hope that more of these types of conversations will come from various people, from various athletes who may have similar experiences like Mr. Acho. Check out his book. His book is called Let the World See You. It's out now on Amazon. You can check it out wherever you get books from. You can order it there. All you have to do is go to his website, www.samachobook.com. You will find whatever information that you need in order to make sure that you order this book. But I guarantee you, your eyes will be open. I've already pre-ordered my copy. The book is coming out on October 13th. So please make sure to put it in order and get that book because I guarantee you, especially if you're one that is transnational, even if you're one that is not transnational, you will be able to take something away from this book. All right. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Sam Macho. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to my Black is Transnational. And today I have on a special, special guest, a man of many hats who does so many things. Uh, he is an author. He is an entrepreneur. He is a public speaker. I mean, uh, did I mention he's an NFL linebacker? He is a humanitarian. And most importantly, he's a man of God. So I just want to take, take this opportunity to say that it's an honor. He played for my favorite team. I'm a Chicagoan, a Chicago Bears. Um, former Chicago Bears linebacker is on with me, but also a Nigerian-American who will talk about his transnational experiences. Um, I have on the show Mr. Sam Acho. So, brother, thank you so much for just taking the time to be able to join me. I know you're busy, but I, I, I'm just glad that I can be able to gist with you and just talk a little bit about what you got going on. So welcome. Absolutely. I'm glad to be on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, so first and foremost, for the audience, man, I just want you to take a couple minutes. If you just want to briefly, I know I gave you your accolades, so you don't have to say too much. But if you could just want to just briefly just introduce yourself to the audience so they know who you are, and what you stand for. Definitely. Yes. My name is Sam Acho. I'm a, uh, an author, a speaker, uh, NFL linebacker, humanitarian, uh, child of God, uh, husband, <laughs> father, um, uh, yeah, and that's a little bit about me. I grew up in Dallas, Texas. My parents were born and raised in Nigeria. Uh, so I grew up in Dallas, spent a lot of, but, but as a lot of Nigerians do, I believe, I don't know if this is the case anymore, but every other Christmas and New Year's we would go, we would spend it in Nigeria. Yeah. And so, uh, and then a lot of, a lot of my Christmas, Christmases were spent there. And then, at, and then as I got older, uh, you know, my parents, they do medical mission work. Mm -hmm. And so as I got older, I got a chance to go on some of these trips in the summer as well. 
to Nigeria doing medical mission work. They started a ministry called Living Hope Christian Ministries, which is a medical mission trip. They bring doctors and nurses and surgeons, dentists, ophthalmologists, pharmacists, pediatricians, uh, all to Nigeria to do uh, to do medical mission work and let people know about uh, the goodness of God and also help you know remove hernias and cataracts and all the things. And so that's a little bit about me and my background. Currently, uh, I am working on a book that comes out on October 13th, and I'm so excited about it. It's called Let the World See You, How to Be Real in a World Full of Fakes. I'm also a, a vice president of the NFL Players Association, and I think that's that's about it. Man, that's just, you just giving us the sample size, bro. Um, Right now, I think, I think you know, there, there, you, what you mentioned, you, you mentioned that you, you do a lot of things, and you have, you, you have a lot of things that you have to balance, and it seems like you may have gotten that a lot from your parents. You seem like your parents are, um, you know, doing a lot, whether it's here and whether it's in, in Nigeria. And I, I want to just start from the beginning and, and talk about what that was like, right? You were born here, right? Yep. And where in Nigeria are your people from? So my people are from Abia State. Abia so, State, okay. Um, we're, you know, Ibo's. Right. Ibo uh, Village, Isukwato. Yeah, exactly. Ibo Kweno, exactly. So um, from Abia State, yeah. So we go, usually we'll go back there, uh, back to the east yeah. right and spend spend a little bit of time there yeah so what was that like man what was that like growing up as a shorty here in in, in america but then also knowing that every christmas as you said every Igbo family always goes back to the village you're not just going back to lagos like you're going to the village, <laughs> to the village. right so like my peoples are from emo state right so yeah it's like we're not just going you may touch down in lagos so you may touch down wherever yep. potako or wherever but over you're going to the village and <laughs> you're gonna yeah. you're gonna go there and do christmas and then you yeah. you know at some point you may even come across no some palm lights, wine. No running water. No running water. <laughs> it was crazy. It was nothing. You were drinking pure water and eva water, and I'm like, what? You drink water in a bag? Like what? <laughs> it was crazy. Um, and so uh, it was interesting though. It was I talk about this in my book about how like I grew up in, uh, you know, I went to a, pretty, a predominantly white school. Yeah. Uh, but I also went to a predominantly black church. But I grew up in a Nigerian household. Right. right? So I say that to say like it's. It's it's the food, it's the smells, it's the family, it's the uh, the accent, right? Mm -hmm. That's how I grew up, and so though I, you know, so so I got a chance to touch a lot of different worlds, and yeah. and for me, growing up, it was uh, for every other Christmas going to Nigeria and seeing what I saw, spending time, I developed a really great appreciation for Nigerian culture. My wife is actually from Nigeria; she okay. came to America just a few years ago when we got married, and our kids are, you know, uh, you know, Chinazepere is my my <laughs> oldest middle name. Ijama is my daughter's middle name, and as this is when you ring true for you, Kelechi yeah. is my youngest. My oh, youngest. word! So, Shout out yeah. to the namesake. Shout out to the namesake, man. And so, um, so yeah, so for me, growing up in a Nigerian household and going to Nigeria every other often, put it that way, going to Nigeria often, it just I just developed a great a greater appreciation for who I am, and also better understanding that our world is bigger than what we see. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and, and it's a lot of balance. Right. I mean, you think about how you construct your identity. Right. And, and I'm going to kind of filter in that when we when we get to talking about the book a little bit. But just you said you touched three different worlds. And, and so how you know, you, one of the things that I know is also on your record is being one of recognized as one of the top student athletes. Right. And I think about you just mentioning having to balance you know, living in a Nigerian household, going to a predominantly white school, going to a predominantly black church, which is an African church, most likely. And, you know, and how are you able to balance, you know, playing sports, 
but then also getting the grades because I can also assume, I don't like making assumptions, but I can assume that was a priority by your pupsy and your mumsy. Like, how was that? Yeah, you're correct in that assumption. And, and funny enough, the church was actually one in Nigerian church. It was oh. a church in South Dallas. Uh, interesting, interestingly enough, now I go to Nigerian church probably, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was interesting. I remember being a junior, 17 years old, going on 18, getting my first couple scholarships to go play football in college. It was like the dream, right? Mm-hmm. I remember I came home with a C. I came home from a class and I got a C on one of my exams. And I'm like, oh, it's all good. Like, I'll figure it out. I'll be fine. You know, I got scholarships to USC and Texas and Alabama, all the schools. Right. And my dad looked at me and he said, uh, he said, I will take you out to football if I see another C. And I'm like, well, dad, I, I mean, I'm, I have a full ride to like any school I want. He said, I will take you out of football. If I see another C, and maybe it might have been a C minus, maybe it was a D. I'm trying to give myself some credit, but it mm-hmm. wasn't a good grade. Okay. He's also take you out of football, right? And so, like, for me, I, I understood at a very young age two things. One, I loved learning. So it's even the school I went to. Was, it's the number one rated uh, school in the United States. It's called St. Mark's School of Texas. It's the number one rated private school. Mm-hmm. And so I remember being in second grade, a conversation I had with my dad back then, and he said, and I remember doing good at school, and he said, hey, son, there's a school for kids who – really love learning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an all boys school. It's a college prep school, private school. Would you want to go? And I said, yeah, sure. Right. Dad's asking me. So of course I want to go. And being at this school and obviously like the super high educational standards I had friends who scored purpose scores on the SAT and right. uh, friends who went to Harvard. Yeah. All the schools. Um, so for me, education was huge. And I carried that on with me to college. I ended up winning the Campbell trophy, which is the academic version of the Heisman trophy. Right. Also was named by sporting news as the top 20 smartest, athletes in all of sports it's college and professional which was uh awesome uh and then but also but also and i was a you know multi-time you know uh, academic all-american but the cool part for me was understanding that as you mentioned there is a balance right it wasn't like i feel like i'm a big nerd in many senses like i'm 6'3 260 but i love like i can recite shakespeare i know i can tell you pi to the 14th digit you know what i mean like so the 14th decimal so for me I love that you talked about going back to Nigeria and seeing that our world is bigger than oftentimes of what we see. For me, there was always this understanding that I am more than just what I do. I'm more than just a football player. I'm more than just a Nigerian. I'm more than just uh, the first son. I'm more than just uh, a scholar athlete. I am first and foremost a child of God. So my peace comes from from God, number Mm -hmm. one. But in all these other things, they can come and go, right? Like, uh, you know, football comes and goes mm-hmm. just knowing who i am in christ is the most important thing absolutely absolutely how was how was it received when you said you wanted to play football was it something that your parents picked was it something that you you or your, i know your brother also played as well emmanuel yeah. so like was it something that they picked because for me just speaking like someone who wanted to play football i wanted to be a safety i'm not gonna lie not that i had it in me i'm a baseball player you know but when it came down to sports, my mom, she was like, ah, like, you're not playing football. at all. Go on, go, on, go, on, go on, read your book. Like, are you mad? Like, yeah. so for me, it was like, okay, but, <laughs> you know, but it was like, go on, read your book. I like, I didn't, I didn't come here for you to go and be playing football. Yeah. Like, you know, so like, how was it received? And especially like you go to Nigeria, you know, maybe every other year, I'm sure you come back. They're like, ah, like, ah, yeah. you're looking big. You're looking big. Like, yeah. how was <laughs> Like you like you play you play American football. What are you playing? Like yeah. so, how was it received when they when when you said you wanted to play football? And you actually started doing it for a living. Like what, what was that whole process like? 
definitely. Well, the first sport was soccer, right? My parents put us in soccer, right? Because that's that's what, what football. That's, that's football, number one. Right? Yeah. That's number one. So we were in soccer, and I was pretty good at soccer, but I was a big kid, right? So for me, all that running was just too much for me. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I remember doing soccer and basketball. Then around I don't know, 12, 13 years old, my younger brother Emmanuel actually played football first. And he played football, and my parents said, okay, let him try it, right? This dude's rambunctious all over the place, just <laughs> full of energy, throw him out there. And this dude was scoring touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. He played running back. Mm-hmm. He was 11, 12 years old, and literally every time he touched the ball, and imagine the pride that my dad had in seeing his son. Every time he touched the ball, he would score. Wow. 60-yard touch, 70-yard to 80-yard, right? And I didn't play that year, right? But I want, but I, but, but I would see him running and scoring and, and you know, the cheer, little cheerleaders just cheering. And I was like, man, that's that's going to be me. I'm going to be the guy. And so the next year I said, I signed up for football, a little YMCA league. And um, I was like I said, I was a bigger kid. So because of the restrictions and the rules, I was forced to play offensive line. And anybody who knows sports, anybody who knows football, mm-hmm. offensive line is the worst position gritty. to play. It's the gritty. nobody loves you. Nobody. The it's only time gritty. your name gets called is if you make a mistake. Yeah. No, right? guts, no glory. And yeah. so th- that first year, no glory. That first year was miserable. And and so you asked me what was it like playing. I mean. We were just in sports, football, basketball, baseball, whatever. And God just continued to open up doors specifically with football where uh, we ended up going to a football camp at USC. Mm-hmm. And at that time, back in 06, University of Southern California was the perennial powerhouse. They were, you know, had won three or four championships in a row. And we go to this football camp. It was an invite-only camp. We didn't realize we weren't invited. Uh, but we just show up to this camp. And that's when I got discovered, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. So for my dad, two things happened. One, it was like, yeah, we didn't plan on going this route, but if free education is a free education, right? Who knows? Maybe you go to the NFL and maybe there's a, you know, all that stuff. But then also, even as I've been playing, right, I played nine years in the NFL, even with that, um, there's still the idea, like you said, of you talk about, you know, go and read your book, but this idea of like, yeah, your football is great, but you are more than that, mm-hmm. right? You are, ed- education is the thing. I went back and I got my MBA from mm-hmm. the number one international uh, business school in the world, Thunderbird School of Global Management. I went back on my MBA and while I was playing in the NFL. And so, yes, like I mentioned, like we have these pieces, right? That's a piece of who I am. That's kind of what we, what kind of I'm learning how to do is like how to be like bring the whole me to whatever situation I'm in. And I think you've done an amazing job doing that because not it shows not only in what you did as a player, but what you did off the field, right? I mean, Walter Payton, man of the year with the NFL and my Chicago bears. And I, you know, and, and then also now being the vice president of players association, really expanding your network and utilizing what you've learned as far as from business school and even in, in what you learned in Texas, and then now applying it, you know, into your day-to-day operation. And when it comes to just, that whole connection connection and connecting with people, right? You're talking about, you know, being yourself and being more than an athlete. What was it like when, you know, when you decided to pursue these these positions that were bigger than just linebacker, right? Like, I, I wonder, because you, for someone as diverse as you, like, I, I wonder what that experience was connecting with people that weren't necessarily Africans. Like, what was that connection with African-Americans who knew you were African, who knew you came from an African household? But how did you build those relationships? Because I'm sure growing up, you, you had that talk with your parents about the differences between who you are and who they are. Or am I wrong? Yeah, no, I love what I love what you said. How was it stepping off of the field? Um, and just that idea of identity of who you are, right? So 
for me, there was a struggle of trying to figure out who I really am, right? Thinking about I'm the first son. I have two older sisters, but I'm the first son. In Nigerian oh, culture, yeah. there's a lot of pressure. Uh, pressure. I'm right? the first son. So I felt it, exactly. So I felt that pressure. And for a long time, there was a fear of, of man, am I going to let my family down, right? And think about the inheritance and all the village and the house and all these yes, things. Yes. And as I've gotten older, I've started to realize, and it took a little bit of uh, me maturing, um, and realizing that, hey, like God made me unique. Mm. And so he didn't make me to do what anyone else wants me to do. He made me to do what he wants me to do. Mm -hmm. And so though other people may have their expectations, I don't have to live by expectations, their expectations. I have to live by God's mm -hmm. uh, expectations. Right. And all he says is just love me. Right. Mm, Get to know me. Amen. Right. Yeah. Spend time with me. Right. The Bible talks about in Proverbs 29, it says the fear of man proves to be a snare, a trap, yep. right? Fearing and being, what is this person going to think? And I fall into that trap often. And so for me, stepping off the field, even going back and getting my MBA, I didn't tell any of my teammates because mm. I thought they would uh, laugh at me or not laugh at me, but I just felt ashamed. They're going to think that I'm this nerd and I don't right. care about football or maybe my coaches are going to think I'm not, I don't care. And I, I'm, I'm the starter. I don't want to lose my starting spot, you know? Yeah. And then even the, even the, the NFLPA stuff, I didn't really want to run for, vice president but they were like well you know we want you we need you we'd love for you to serve in this way mm -hmm. and so i just realized that me stepping into my purpose god has just opened up more doors and given me opportunities oftentimes i am scared to step in it's not like i didn't go after titles right i don't right. know i could care less about a title really um but i'm like man god there are some doors that you've opened i would love to walk through them mm -hmm. and that's same that's happened with football happened with that campbell trophy with academic cosmic trophy i with my mba program i mean i I had a $25,000 postgraduate scholarship wow. uh, to, to go to any MBA, any, you know, continuing education after I, after I graduated college, even before college, I had opportunities to go to study in London at the Cambridge school, all these different things, you know? And so I know God gave me a passion for learning, right? Let me, and I'm going to just do this, right? I don't even, uh, just check this out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say it and then I'm going to get you on the back end. All right. I got you. Wander April with the short assaulter. The root of March had passed it through the altar and bothered every vein and switched the core of which thereto indented it is the floor. One's a fit of sake with a swear to breath, in spitted heart in every halt and half. The tender crop is on the younger soon, after the arm is all because it on Then pricketh him nature and hair crotches, then long and folk to go on pilgrimages, and palmeris, for to sicken stronger strongest, to fair in the howlers, cooth and sundry londis. And especially from every sheer is ender, from England to Canterbury they wender, the holy blissful martyr for to seeker, to him it open, one that they were seeker. So that. <laughs> that sounded, you know, man, that was that was definitely that English, is, but it was like old English. Middle, it's middle English. I was about to be like, that's old that's, English. That's middle, medieval English. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the prologue to the Canterbury Tales in Middle English. Yes. Right? I got another one for you. 3.14159265358979. That is pi. Everybody knows about pi, right? Yeah. That's pi to about the 14th decimal, right? Okay. Um, I got one more for you, right? So this is Shakespeare. And this stuff I did back in like sixth, not sixth, maybe eighth grade, ninth grade, whatever. Okay. Um, this is, uh, I mean, there's just so much, right? Like, like the to be or not to be, that is the question. Whether it is over in the mind to, to suffer the pains and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against them and by opposing end them to die, to sleep no more, and by to sleep to say we end the heartaches that flesh is naturally heir to, tis a consummation devoutly to be wished, to mm -hmm. die. 
to sleep, to sleep perchance to dream, I there's the rub, for in that sleep of death, what dreams may come. And so that's just like a piece mm-hmm. of the whole to be or not to be, right? So like God has given me this love for learning and memorizing things right. or whatever. And I would hide that. Right. I was just I gonna would say suppress that. Yeah. I wouldn't show people that, right? Because it because it wasn't it wasn't cool uh, to be it wasn't cool back, to be smart back cool. then, bro. Bingo. Like it, it wasn't Bingo. cool to be smart. Even I mean, I think nowadays we're evolving past that. And I, I, I can relate a lot because you know, there are a lot of us that tend to suppress it. And for me, I came to the U.S., you know, younger. I was born, I, I, can't, I consider myself a 1.5 generation because I came to the States. I lived, I came to Chicago when I was like eight, right? And one of the things that we find ourselves trying to do is we try to, we try to blend in. We try to fit in. And one of the things that, you know, our parents tell us is we need to read our book. And then, you, yeah. you, so you try to find a balance between reading your book, but you also want to be cool. You want to be fly, right? You yeah. want to make sure that you can associate. You want to get girls, especially when you're in high school. Yeah. You know what I mean? You try to do all the cool, swaggy things. But at the end of the day, at yeah. the back of the day, you have to make sure that you come home with some A's. Like, because <laughs> if you don't, yeah. if you don't, you're going to be, you're going to be in trouble. And all the cool things yes. that you are doing is going to be done. <laughs> so, yes. so, but I think what you're saying, even from an NFL standpoint, a professional standpoint, that you still had to preserve that and then break out yeah. of that, I think is amazing that you 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 found that a very and to be honest a very early stage in your in your career man like so like yeah. how, how, how did that happen like how did you how did you then transition into all the mission trips and the philanthropic things and humanitarian things that you do because one of the things that that you didn't mention that i'm gonna mention for you is what you're doing in chicago in the midst of what's yeah. happening you know with these with the civil unrest that's happening especially with the fight against racism and i what i know is that you've worked on trying to buy a convert a liquor store into a grocery store. Am I correct? Do you want to talk a little bit about that real quick? Yeah, absolutely. So specifically there, um, I guess I'll start at the beginning, the mission trip. So 15 years old was my first time I got a chance to go to Nigeria on one of these mission trips. And that was the first time I got to see real, real pain, mm. uh, real desperation, real frustration, but real hope. Mm and real joy. So on that trip, I remember there's a, we would go to this place called the Isuquato General Hospital, which wasn't a hospital, it was an abandoned building. Mm-hmm. And I remember my job was to kind of just crowd control, right? Or I'd escort people in and out. The doctors were doing the doctor thing. And I remember we would give people cards, right? If you needed a physical attention, like for your body, you'd get a green card. If you needed attention for your eyes right cataracts up you get a yellow card mm-hmm. uh, you surgery get a blue card and so i remember i was kind of handing out cars doing the whole thing and there was this lady who was walking in and she was being helped by her son or somebody who was with her and we said okay what's the issue right is it physical is it eyes is it surgery they said well you know it's it's eyes we said okay cool well what's the what's the problem it's like well my mom's blind hmm. and we're like okay um so we're, we're doctors. We're not miracle workers, right? It's like, no, I need to go inside. I need to go inside. My mom's blind. I'm like, ah, uh, sorry, dude. He's like, no, I'm, I need to go inside there. My mom needs to see. I heard y'all from America, yada, 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 whatever. And so hmm. I think somebody just gave this, gave this dude a card for his mom. And I remember helping them like walk up the steps, right? Maybe I was at the top of the steps and my brother was helping them. I remember just seeing them helped up with their card in their hand. And so they went up, up the steps. And I remember helping them. She was tripping over the the you know stairs and everything and they go to see one of the doctors and it's like hey what's your issue and you know an Ebo he's explaining well my mom is blind and so she needs help and they're like well we don't cure blindness 
blindness, right? Like we can give you some glasses if, you know, we can do cataract, but it's, you know. And so I, I just remember um, kind of looking over the corner, looking at that interaction, looking around the corner, looking at the interaction. And one of the doctors who came, Dr. Eloise Smith, she said, okay, I got a question for you to the mom. She said, do you believe in Jesus? Hmm. Mom said, yes, of course. Um, who do you think Jesus is? I mean, he's my savior. He died on the cross for my sins. And this is all in Ebo translating mm-hmm. down the cross for my sins. And um, he's my only hope. He's my present help. Like he's the King of Kings, right? Um, the Lord of Lords. And the lady says through a translator, right? Our, 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 our doctor says, do you believe that he can still do miracles? Hmm. And she says, of course. And she says, oh, I want you to, I want you to close your eyes and pray. So at that point, I'm what I'm looking like, what is going on? Like we, what is this? And she starts praying and the, 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 our doctor starts praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. Um, and she looks at the lady and she says, okay, open your eyes. Lady opens up her eyes and the lady's kind of like blinking and kind of like looking, looking, doing. And she says that our doctor, Dr. Smith says, Hey, to to the son, Hey, ask her what the card she's holding, ask her what color the card is. And she says in Igbo, you know, Okay, color like what color is this? Mm-hmm. And um, she's looking. She says, "Yellow, yellow, yellow." Right? What? God still works miracles. God, God is real. And so, and so, I saw. I mean, that's just one example, right? Like of people who are hopeless, but they believe in a God who can move mountains. They mm-hmm. believe in a God who. I can calm seas. They believe there's a song we sing when Jesus says, yes, nobody Nobody can say say no no. Mm -hmm. when Jesus says, yeah. So they believe in a God. Like when Jesus says, yes, nobody can say no. Mm -hmm. And so talking about the mission trip and the medical work and the stuff we do in Chicago, all that kind of stuff. That's what God, I feel like put me on this earth to do when I'm there doing that work in Nigeria. I feel like I'm at home. Mm -hmm. Like I'm at home. And so fast forward to in Chicago specifically, and even Arizona, everywhere I've been, I've just tried to kind of, carry that torch and just speak up for those who can't speak up for themselves. Proverbs 31, I believe eight, nine, right. Um, in Chicago specifically with the rate, social unrest, the, um, racial unrest, all the things, um, got a chance to just find a need and fill it. There was a, a food desert on the West side, which had two grocery stores and 17 liquor stores. Mm. And this is right after all the George Floyd and Maude Arbery, everything, everyone was getting, you know, he the murders of those two men and, and uh, the rioting and looting, all the things that was happening. And finally, I just got some guys together and said, hey, what if we could do something? Men and women, like some pro athletes, male and female, what if we could do something to help change this? And so we raised half a million dollars, uh, by all by God's grace. Mm. Uh, we bought a, a liquor store on the west side of Chicago and we flipped it into a, a food mart. And it's run by the kids in the community and they're running it, managing it, the whole deal, and running it, managing it. And it's called Austin Harvest, and it's open now uh, three days a week. It's a pop-up mart, open Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 3 to 6 p.m. And they're providing um, community uh, through fresh food. And so they're not just serving people fresh food and what was a food desert. Like, statistically speaking, um, as I mentioned, there were two grocery stores and a half-mile radius and 17 liquor stores. Um, We asked the kids, hey, where do you go to get your healthy food? They said, what, we said, where do you get your food from? They say McDonald's. Hmm. Oh, no, no, what about other food? They said the gas station. Mm-hmm. said, okay, what do you want to get something organic? They said, I got to go 45 minutes to the next city, get something organic. Yeah. So now it's providing not only healthy food, but job opportunities, all these things. And so that was just a door that God had in front of me, right? My, my heart was hurting, right? Talking about let the world see you, like the yeah. real me. I was in tears a couple of moments before 
having this idea. I was on a Zoom call with some of the volunteers and just cry, you know, right, cried right after the call. So I'm like, man, what is going on? And But what if I had an opportunity to change something? So um, that's some of the doors that got opened. Yeah, man. And, and I think that's a good segue for us to get into your book, right? You've shared so many amazing things. And, and the title of your book is Let the World See You. It's coming out October 13th, right? I've already pre-ordered my copy. For those of y'all that are listening, please pre-order yours, samachobook.com. I'm telling you, it's an amazing book. Free order. <laughs> Free order your course. book right now. It's going to be ginger. <laughs> right I'm ginger for it. Samachobook.com. Exactly. And and that book in itself, I mean, I even just, when you look at it, you see the previews is heavily endorsed. I mean, you got, you got George McCaskey, who's the chairman for the Chicago Bears. You got Paul Goldsmith, who's the first baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals. You got, I mean, you have a range of of, of people who are endorsing you. It's because this book is you, bro. Like, so, so like I want you to talk a little bit about it because it, it seems like it's a compilation of your life stories, your experiences, just you sharing how you broke off that shell to to let the people know who the real you is. So, like, just just let us know what 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 you're trying to convey to us through through this this um through this literature. Yeah, well, many of the stories that we're talking about here are in the book. It's about what it means to be seen and to be known and to be loved. And for me, that's been a journey of the pressure of being the firstborn and the pressure of trying to, uh, you know, be the guy who has all the answers mm-hmm. and the guy who's in the NFL and star and this and that and smart guy. And, and it's like, well, who am I really? Mm-hmm. And the question was that I would ask myself is, uh, I think my biggest fear was uh, I wanted to be loved. Mm-hmm. Not for... I mean, people like people talk about, man, what are your biggest fears? Like for me, it wasn't really, like, I feared death to a certain point, but I was yeah. like, okay, if I believe what the Bible says about heaven, I really should not be afraid of death. Yeah. Right. So I kind of worked through that. And my other, another one of my fears was, cause I, so I went, I went and like read, there's a book called heaven is for real. Mm-hmm. Um, another book got, called radical by a guy named David Platt. And I was reading these books. Okay. Like that makes sense. But my other fear was that I wouldn't be loved. Mm-hmm. Right. And funny enough, I, I, I lost, I lost, a, I lost a friend, lost a mentor, mm. uh, next door neighbor from when I, when I played for the Cardinals, he was a 77 year old man. And long story short, um, before he passed, we got a chance and he died from cancer and it was a long battle. And, um, he said he was just ready to go see Jesus. He said he was ready to go home. And, mm. uh, we got a chance to have a conversation and, and, uh, I was like, man, just give me what you got. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, I'm ready to see Jesus. I, I need I need something from you, man. Tell me what I need to know, right? You're my mentor, you've been around, you've lived this, on this earth for a long time. What do I need to know? He said, man, Sam, there's two things you need to know. Um, the two most important things that I want you to know, right? Like essentially before I go, he said, number one, there's the most important thing you can do on this earth. There's nothing greater, nothing higher, nothing will bring you greater joy. There's nothing more important than getting to know Jesus. Mm. He said, get to know Jesus intimately. Like God gets no greater joy than you getting to know Jesus. And you'll get no greater joy from getting to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then he paused. Waiting, I'm waiting. He said it was two things. What's the other thing? He said, Sam, the second thing I want you to know is that you are worth getting to know. Mm. Never forget that. You are worth getting to know. And those words would be the last word I heard from my friend. But more than that, those words sunk deep. Yeah. those words suck deep because I for a while I started to believe man do people really want to know me or do they want to know me for the things that I have the things that I can do right the accolades the NFL mm-hmm. the smart guy the this the that or do they really want to know me and he said no you are worth getting to know 
And so this book is all about two things. Number one, getting to know Jesus, the importance of getting to know Jesus, and also people understanding, secondly, that they are worth getting to know. Those are one and the same, right? God says, uh, the greatest commandment is love me and love your neighbor, period. And so that's what the book is all about. And that's what I hope anybody who reads this book, they'll understand what it's like to be seen, right? Because God already sees us and, and to be known, right? God already knows us, mm-hmm. but then to be loved. I think that's the piece that a lot of people fear. It's like, okay, if I show myself, will they love me? If I show the real me, will I still be accepted? I think in our heart of hearts, that's what we all are after. Yeah, man, that's beautiful. That's that is that is a beautiful testimony, um, and I hope that those of y'all that are listening um, will will go out there and and get this book because I'm I'm very curious to just learn a little bit more about some of these amazing things in, in the journey and and all the blessings that you've been bestowed upon and how you're utilizing all of it properly with balance, um, you know, with just with, with, with sheer grace, man, and and uh, so so I mean just to just to kind of wrap up, you know, because one of the things that we do is here from a transnational, we talk about that dual identity and you kind of shared a little bit a lot of bit actually about the back and forth so when we talk about your authentic self and you wanting to be loved and you showing love and how has your you know your your connection to your culture really helped just open up your ability to continue to love yourself more and find out who you really are like the authentic you how do you identify your authentic your authentic self other than being a child of god do you identify as nigerian american as both as black like what is your authentic identity you know when you when you when you go when it goes down to it yeah well what i'm learning and i talk about this a little bit in some of my writing is that i'm i'm learning that our stories are bigger than us Mm. so my story is bigger than me so think about whether it's my parents or my wife or my kids right there's a bigger story that's being written so I can sit here and say, well, I'm Nigerian. I'm not a black American. I don't get that thing. But it's like, culturally speaking, when it comes down to race, you're not, you know, it's like, well, what race are you, right? It's like, but I identify with my Nigerian roots. Well, people could say, well, you're, you weren't born in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So what do you mean Nigerian American, right? But then the American people, well, you're, you're not black. You're Nigerian. So there's, it's almost like you're an amoeba. Where do I fit in? And so for me, I'm learning that God doesn't want me to fit in. Mm. Mm. Right. He says, like, you're the light of the world. You're a city on a hill that can't be hidden. Mm. Um, neither does somebody light a lamp and put it under a basket. Right. But you put it on a lampstand for all the world to see in the same way. Let your light shine. Mm-hmm. And so for me, and you mentioned it earlier, Kelechi, that a lot of us, we are, we are taught to fit in and we want to fit in. And God's mm-hmm. like, no, I don't want you to fit in. I want you to stand, stand out. out. Yeah. And so I'm on a journey. And I think anybody who's listening, uh, to this podcast is probably on a similar journey of asking the question, do I need to fit in or do I need to stand out? And my, my goal, my hope, my desire is that you would understand that you're not met and made to fit in. You are unique. You are loved. You are known. And God wants you to stand out. Standing out doesn't mean uh, I'm the life of the party and karaoke and whatever. Standing out could just be using the gifts you have as an accountant. Could be using the gifts you have hosting a podcast. Using the gifts you have just serving, being a, uh, a, a, a gentle, loving husband or a, a caring wife or a mom, right? That's what being the real you, it doesn't mean you assimilate. It means you use the gifts that God gave you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And I think that's just an, that's just a, a dope, strong note to be able to just kind of wrap this up, man. Um, you know, 
Sam Acho. You didn't give me a Nigerian name, Russ. You have to give me a Nigerian oh, name. Yeah, the Say it again. On oh, yeah, on oh, yeah, the Kachi. On oh, yeah, the Kachi. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I correct now. You, next time we have to do this, now you have to put on your red hat, your chieftaincy, so you know that you're. Uh, <laughs> and you have to put on your coral beads. So you, the next yeah. time I interview you, you can't correct. So our fans know that yeah. this guy with our Niger guy. But but no, seriously, I just I just want to thank you so much for the inspiring words, for taking the opportunity to just bless us with your your, your knowledge, your passion, and and like you said, leaving us with that message. You know, being being the light of the world, standing out. I mean, a lot of us tend to again, we we tend to try to fit in. And even for those of us who we have these, we have these gifts, we have this ability to be able to, to have access to multiple worlds, various cultures. And, and most of the time we try to suppress it. We are embarrassed about it because we don't fit into the status quo of the land that we're currently in, but we have the opportunity to be able to bless one another with the gifts that we have that's naturally been given to us and bestowed upon us by one above. So, um, brother, I, I, I'm very, I'm very honored. I've been a big fan of you since I was, you know, since I heard about you, like I told you before, I, I read an article on, um, on CBS about just you and other Nigerian American athletes that do a lot of amazing things, but you stood out to me, not only because you were a pass rusher from one of my, my favorite team, but just also what you did off the court and, and and I mean not off off the field I'm tweaking off the field and and and, and you continue to build on it man and, and please continue to be an inspiration uh, please continue to to shine in whatever way that we and my blackest transnational can support what you're doing not just here but over back home please let us know we 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 are we are grateful for it and we want to continue to help you know sh- shine your light and shine our lights too we can be able to make a brighter world together you feel me so um, brother Acho it's it is well with you <laughs> thank you thank you yeah and anybody who wants to find out more about about me or about the book or just keep in touch um social media i'm just at the sam acho that's s-a-m-a-c-h-o and then uh any really want to really want to really connect go to sam book.com s-a-m-a-c-h-o book.com you can go there and get your book you can connect with me there in a lot of cool ways and i'm kind of making cool that's for anybody who wants to connect uh, Sam Pre order the book, y'all. Pre order the book, brother Acho. A pleasure again. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. I wish you Godspeed and God bless you, man. Awesome. Thank you, bro. So that's going to do it for this episode of My Black is Transnational. I would like to thank Sam Acho for joining me and having such a great conversation. I hope y'all enjoyed that conversation. And I look forward to many more conversations similar to that. And I would love to have Sam Acho on the show again. Many blessings to you and your ministry wish you godspeed in all that you do um for those of you all if this is your first time and you enjoy what you heard please rate and review the podcast rated five stars and please subscribe so you can listen to past episodes of the podcast and also so you can listen to good ones coming ahead we just got lots and lots of really good conversations that'll be coming up this season so please make sure to stay in tune and subscribe keep in touch with us on social media at black transnational podcast on facebook and instagram or just follow me on instagram at black transnational underscore please make sure to check out our website at www.blacktransnational.wixsite.com slash podcast all right so i wish you all a great rest of your day wherever you are whenever you are listening to this podcast until next time my name is Dr. Kalechi Bay Lamberts. My black is transnational. And I hope by the end of this, yours will be too. Peace.